to us, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we're here today, Father, to give you the praise, the honor, the glory, the worship that is due unto your name. We're thankful for another week of blessings and peace and honor and glory that you bestowed upon us. And so now, Holy Spirit, have your way today. Move in and out of every row, in and out of every aisle. Heal, deliver, set free, make whole. Break every yoke and destroy every burden today because of the anointing. Holy Spirit, we yield to you, my wife and I, to be used by you any way that you see fit today. And as always, we'll give you all the glory, dear Heavenly Father, for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Love on anyone today that you're led to. If you don't know the person next to you, speak to them. Introduce yourself. Tell them your name. Then you can be seated. Praise God. We certainly want to welcome our online viewing audience that's uh, logged in today. We're so glad to have you. Uh, you can join us. Uh, best way to follow along today is the YouVersion Bible app. We'll conclude our fourth message on praise and worship culture. Uh, just go to the events section, click on Linked Up Church, and the outline is right there. Of course, I've got my beautiful bride up here with me today that's going to uh, join and, and minister in the words. Really, one of our favorite things to do is to minister together. Uh, it's just we've got a tight window between this first service and this second service, and I'll talk to you all about that a little bit more at the end, how we can open that window up so that not only can we do this more, but we can take some pressure off of that second service, okay? All right, so now we're going to conclude today praise and worship culture. We've defined culture as the behaviors and beliefs characteristic of a, a particular social, ethnic, or age group. Of course, every group is trying to identify based off of their culture. There's youth culture, hip-hop culture. Everything wants to have culture associated with it. It is the sum total of ways of living uh, built up by a group of human beings and transmitted from one generation to the next. So what we're looking to build here is a praise and worship culture where people come in and they understand why God wants you to come to church. I mean, he just doesn't want you to come here to sit on a log and just stare. He wants you to come here and demonstrate that you appreciate all that he's done for you. He wants you to approach him a certain way. He wants you to come into his house a certain way. The, the church should never be a place where we have to beg people to praise God. That's right. That's right. That's right. Actually, we should have to stop you and slow you down and, and ask you to sit down and and really, we should really try our best to contain you because you're so thankful and appreciative for all that God has done for you. Let me see what that looks like. Anybody thankful for all that God has done for them? Yes, I thank you, Father. We rejoice. I rejoice in your goodness, your grace, and your mercy in life. You've been extraordinary, and I just thank you and worship you. I boast of your goodness and your grace. So bring that as soon as you walk through those doors. Yes. Put your game face on. As soon as you step across the line, put your game face on. And realize better that yet, it is God that graced you to be able to come through those. Better yet, as soon as your feet hit the floor, 
give him glory. As soon as you open your eyes, acknowledge him. As soon as you take that breath in the day, make it known that you're here serving the living God. Now, very quickly, I just want to look at our foundation text, then we're going to go by everything we've talked about uh, up to this point and really get to where we want to get to today, which is what is worship. All right? And so in our opening text, why does God, we ask, answered the question, why does God want us to come to church? Psalms 100, I'm going to read stanzas 1 through 5, the Passion Translation. It says, lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Says, go ahead and do it, everyone everywhere. It says, as you serve him, be glad and worship him. So notice, you should be glad for the opportunity to serve God, and you should serve God with gladness. One thing that was beautiful today is that all three ushers down here worshiped while they served. And it was beautiful to see. How I many you know you can watch and pray? That's right. Right? You can serve and worship. You can serve with a smile on your face. And it was beautiful to see while serving, they still worship God. So he says here, to serve him, be glad and worship him. You know, over in Children's Church, the, the volunteers are worshiping God right, right now. now. Over right. in the plug, the volunteers are worshiping God. Right now. When you came on the parking lot and the parking lot attendants were out there, they were worshiping God with their service. Goes on to say here, sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means, that we have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God. For he is our creator, and we belong to him, and we are the people of his pleasure. Yes. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. Is that yes. anybody's testimony in here that, yes. that you know God to always be good? He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. God can be depended on, and God can be counted on. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. What is praise? We looked at all of the different elements of that. We went through the seven dimensions of praise. And of course, some of those dimensions had worship moments and worship elements in them, uh, like the uh, stretching out of the hand, the embrace, bow down. All of those had elements of worship in it. But we're going to get into it a little bit deeper today and talk about what is worship. So what is worship? The Webster Dictionary 1828 version says that worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Extravagant love. Extravagant love and extreme submission. So worship is synonymous when we're talking about the things of God and the kingdom of God to love. When we worship God, we're loving on him. Yes. True worship, in other words, is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where he stands in our list of priorities. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through the lifestyle of obedience. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed 
through a lifestyle of obedience. That's good. So when we worship God, it's not a slow song. It's not a, our God. We can worship him in that slower song. It's not the tempo of the song, though. You're not just worshiping him when your, 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 your song comes on. And you're blasting Tasha Cobbs and he knows my name. No. True worship is a lifestyle of obedience and making God a priority. Like I said, loving on him. Yeah. I love my husband. Yeah. So I make him a priority. Yeah. Whatever you love, you will make a priority. I looked up the word worship in the Greek, and it says to worship is to love, to reverence, to adore. It literally means, it comes from the root word to kiss. It comes from the Greek root word to kiss. And the example they use is as of a dog licking its master. Mm. That's the example because we all know that the most man's best friend what? Is his wife. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but that's the example that it used because the dog is known to obey and want to please his master. He's loyal. He is loyal. <laughs> what you back there doing? I'm helping you out. I'm okay. helping you out. <laughs> so let's talk about what is worship. A, worship is vertical. It is singularly focused on communicating to and with our Lord. Worship is a two-way street. It is. It goes back and forth and it is vertical. Worship, on the other hand, contrary to praise, praise does not require a relationship and it's horizontal. But worship is vertical and it requires a relationship. You cannot love something you don't know. And you cannot clearly identify a voice that you're not used to, that you're not familiar with. I'm going to say that again. You cannot love someone you do not know. And you cannot obey someone that you haven't, or hear the voice of someone that you have not clearly identified, that you're not used to, that you're not familiar with. Turn with me to John chapter 4, and let me set this up for you. I love John chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5. Well, I love these two chapters of Scripture. And this is the story about the woman at the well. And so Jesus had just, I mean, they're out there comparing Jesus. If you back up to uh, uh, John 4, 1, they compared Jesus and said, oh, Jesus is baptizing more people than John the Baptist is. And he's like, you know what? I got to get out of here. Time out, peace. I'm out of here. And so he's on his way back to Galilee, but on his way back to Galilee, he has to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was not the Jews' town. In fact, Jews did everything they could to avoid dealing with talking to, socializing, or being caught with a Samaritan. They were not nice to each other. They did not like each other. In fact, they would rather endure hardship than to have to deal with a Samaritan. All right? So now, he has to go through Samaria. And he is, it's only 12 noon, but he's making haste to get to Galilee. But on his way in, in Samaria, he stops in this town called Shechem. Well, here is, I forget what it's pronounced, but the total word from the Hebrew to the Greek is shikam, shikam. And so as he stops there, he stops at the well, tired. And he sees this woman. And this woman comes to the well to draw water. And Jesus says, give me drink. 
And she's like, who do you think you are? Jew? <laughs> you asking me a Samaritan? You do know I'm Samaritan, right? You asking me for water? You being a Jew? And she could probably tell by his accent, by the way he was dressed. Right. But I am so inclined to think that perhaps she might have heard of him. That's good. And so with that being said, she goes on, the story goes on that he said, if you knew who you was dealing with right now, woman, you'd be asking me for the living water. And then she goes on to say, wait a minute, um, you ain't got no bucket, you ain't got a pail, and this is a deep well. Besides that, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than our father, my father Jacob? And, and, and let me give you a social, like, adjustment. When she said, who do you think you are? Are you greater than my father Jacob? Mind you, the Samarians inclined themselves to be equal to the Jews, though they were not Jews. They were ignorant. They had a sense of religion, but they didn't have a relationship. Whereby the Jews had a relationship, so they believed and they understood the laws of God, but the, the Samaritans didn't. So when she says, who do you think you are? Are you greater than my father Jacob? <laughs> Jesus could have been like, Wait, you don't know nothing about Jacob? <laughs> you don't know nothing, nothing, you don't know nana thing about Jacob. I said a nana thing, English major at the University of Michigan. <laughs> so to speed the story along, Jesus explains to her this living water, and she's sarcastic throughout, and we read it through different tones, but if you understand the culture, she's being sarcastic throughout the entire conversation. And if I was just to pick up in... Um, John chapter 4 verse 13 says, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again, but if anyone drinks the living water I give them, I will never, they will never thirst again and will never and forever be satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it comes from a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman said, well, let me, let me have some of that water and why, so that I don't have to be thirsty again and I ain't got to come to this well no more. And so then she goes, he, he just bypasses all of her sarcasm, all of her snide remarks, and he says, well, yeah, go get your husband. Yeah, go get your husband, because in that statement, in that inquiry, Jesus begins the process of salvation. Right, right. He begins the process of salvation, which is to convict us of sin. That's right, that's right. So he begins a process of her salvation in this, to this Samaritan woman. Mind you, Jesus would never preach there. He would not perform any miracles there. He would not perform any healings or deliverances there. But he has this one woman, and he understands the power of the seed, and he says, let me minister to this, this salvation to this woman who don't deserve it, who's not in relationship with me, which means that you don't, you, no matter where you are in life, God is still looking for you. And he's still waiting to meet you at that well of living water. That's right. That's right. And so in that, she says, I ain't got a husband. That's all she says. She doesn't go into detail, but let me tell you my story and my testimony. She just says, wait a minute, hold, 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 wait a minute. He, he, he's pricking on something. He's stepping on something. And he, she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, thank you for being honest. Because the reality is, is that you've had five. And the one, and the one you're, you're with. Yeah, the one you're living with. The one you're living with ain't even your husband. In other words, you've had five other gods. You've had five other covenants. But now you want to dilly-dally because you don't believe covenant is real. You have a loose conviction about the power of covenant. Yeah, yeah. 
And so with that being said, she, he, go, he goes on to express to her, and, she, and, and I mean, she goes on to say, you must be a prophet. Now, understand this. This is where we broach, we bridge that gap between her experience and her sin and her issues with salvation and her prejudices. And now God, Jesus, all of a sudden starts, she starts getting this revelation. And she says, you must be a prophet. Now we bridging over into worship being vertical because she has had a vertical exchange with Jesus she didn't know he was God but she now understands that wait a minute sir you must be a prophet she understands that I must be in the presence of God his, his spirit is here and the tradition was that when you recognize that his spirit is here you want to worship because she's still but because she's still toiling with this issue of this Jew and he knew something. She's still not really trusting it, but she's knowing something in, in her inner man. And so she still wants to combat the, the, the miracle that's taking place right now. And she says, well, y'all say you got to go to Jerusalem to worship, but we believe we can worship right here on this here mountain. Now, mind you, this mountain is the same mountain that Abraham had made his sacrifice. That's right. That's right. I already said that was the same mountain that Jacob had made his, his covenant with God and built the well. So they had a religious ode to this here mountain. And Jesus says, honey, you don't have a clue. He says, believe me, in verse 21, dear woman, a time has come when you won't worship the Father in, on a mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews, we worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. He's clear. It's from the Jews that salvation is made available. He's now starting to reveal himself. Being a Jew, he's letting her know that your salvation is made available through a Jew. Basically, I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about to expose something to you here. And then he says, from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers and to worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit. So in other words, he's saying, it's not where. You don't come to church to worship. You don't have to go to Bible study to worship. You don't have to go to your small group to worship. But going to small group is an act of worship. Going to church is an act of worship. Right. But you can worship in your car. Yeah. You're worshiping when you're doing the right thing at work. Yeah. You're worshiping when you choose integrity over yeah. compromise. Yeah. You're worshiping when you have a, a, a conversion versus a worshiping a, 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 a religious experience. And so then he, she goes on to say, so then she says, this is so confusing. And so now he's, he's revealing himself. She says, I know that the anointed one is coming. So now she's having greater revelation, right? I know the, she says, she recognizes and she says it specifically in the King James, I know the Messiah is coming, the Christ. In other words, she recognizes the Hebrew God and the Greek, Greek God. the current God. She says both terms in the same language, basically saying, I don't know where you from, but let's make it clear. I'm expecting the, the Savior. And he says, I am he. And to make it plain, it says that he goes on to talk to her. And while he's talking to her, obviously, he's making a whole bunch of uh, facts plain to her about who she is, where she's come from, what she's done. And yet he's still loving her in spite of her and in spite of the social uh, consequences of the time and then at the, then simultaneously the, the the disciples come back and they're baffled like why is he talking to this chick don't he know who she is what the world we don't do that 
and then she drops her bucket and she runs because he says something like, whoa, no one knows this. No one knows this. This is that dark secret that I've never even uttered from my own mouth. Yet you know this, you must be the Messiah. And that's what she does. She goes back to the city and she says, hey, everybody, I, this dude, come see this man who just told me everything about myself. Could he be, I believe he's the Messiah. And we'll say it here in uh, John 4, 21 through 24 in the passage, just to make it plain. Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father in the mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience. From, it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and the truth. In other words... The essence of who we are worships. Our existence worships. Our very behavior and attitude worships. And it says, and in truth. And that's knowledge and understanding of who God is. And, you, and, and the more you spend time, people always talk about, I pray. I pray all the time, talking to God. But God is a two-way street, and you can't hear him if you don't know him. Because there's a whole lot of voices going on out there. And if you can't go back to God's word and substantiate what you believe he said to you from his word, if you have no word time and no study time, if you don't take that time to just read one scripture a day to incline yourself to get truth and to get knowledge, I would beg to question whether you're truly hearing from God. Because worship is vertical. It's up and down. It's back and forth. Yeah. He says, I withhold no good thing from my babies. So when we know and understand that worship is a lifestyle, it's an issue of the heart, knowing that it is in him that I live and move and have my being, then are we worshiping. That's so good. You know, that story is so powerful because she actually literally went back into the city. Yes. And she ministered, the scripture says, to all the men in the city. Yep. So this gives me an indication that this oh, was... she a, was out there. This was, this was someone that all the men knew. I'll leave it at that. And the story is so powerful. When the disciples came back, they knew Jesus had been out there ministering, and they wanted him to eat something. And Jesus said, no, look, look to the hills. Yes. The hills are already white and ready to harvest. Yes. But how many you know he wasn't talking about harvesting sickle? He was seeing the souls, all the men were coming over the mountain. Because she told all of them, come see a man that has changed my life. And it's so beautiful. When they all came to meet Jesus, Jesus got the whole town saved. And all the men made this declaration. Now we know him for ourselves, not because you told him about us. Let me tell you what's beautiful about that. That's how God wants to use your life. Because you know what you live and everybody else knows what you live. And when a real sincere conversion takes place, yes. how many know everyone will notice that I know what they used to be like, and I know God did something in their lives. And if God can do something in their lives, yes. let me go meet this person that has changed their life so good. That's what happens when you have a sincere act of conversion that manifests through worship. Number two, worship requires relationships. 
It requires that. Now, in Matthew chapter 15, I'm just going to hit this real quick. Matthew chapter 15, you'll find at the top of Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is coming to deal with tradition and all the ceremonial acts of religion. The Pharisees, the scribes, the elders, they were more concerned about washing their hands before they would eat than the condition of their hearts. And Jesus had to help them understand, you're concerned about external things. Mm-mm. I'm concerned about internal things. That's right. That's right. right? And so we'll pick the story up in verse 8, and it's powerful here what he says. He says, these people draw near. In other words, they go to church. They approach me with their mouths. Notice what he said, and they honor me with their lips. I mean, you know, we can honor God with our lips, but we can't do it in a reverential way if our heart is not involved. That's right. I can say I love you and not mean that because my actions are the direct opposite of what I actually said with my lips. That's right. Right? And so what he wants is honor with lips that comes from the heart. That's right. Right? So he says here, these people draw near. They approach me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Mm. Now, this word heart here is a Greek word, cardia. So let's understand what he's talking about. How can I say something with my lips, but yet my heart be like miles away from God? How many know this is possible? It's possible to come to church and, and do acts of worship and leave church and live the direct opposite of what we just said with our lips. We see it all the time. This word cardia here in the Greek, the word heart is cardia, and it means the heart. Literally, it means the thoughts and the feelings of the mind. So it's talking about the middle. So I want you to just kind of think about it for a minute. You can be in a building, but yet your heart is somewhere else. You can be during praise and worship thinking about everything but God. Worship can be going on, and you can be more interested in who liked your last post. We could be worshiping, and you're checking emails. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen. That's right. That's right. We can be in an act of worship, and you're having a conversation with the individual next to you as if we are not talking about the God of the universe. That's right. So then worship must involve I must line my feelings up, my thoughts up. I've got to put stuff down, focus in. Come on, somebody. Come on, I've got to make sure that I'm in the right environment internally so that everything I'm doing externally lines up. And it doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter where you are. To live with the consciousness of who God is and that he's ever present with you is worship. And I bet you, if you're conscious that he's right there with you, half of us wouldn't do half the stuff that we do. I love you. All right. And so practice the art of blocking everything else out. Soon as you come through those doors, it's not about what happened prior to me getting here. Come on, somebody. It's not about what happened at work this week. Come on, put your devices down. And get your heart, your thoughts, your feelings all directed in one direction towards God. You'd be surprised what we see from up here while praise and worship is going on. I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. Matthew chapter 15, 8 and 9 says, 
These people honor me only with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. Listen to this. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than empty traditions of men, which means we can learn just by going to church and watching other people what to do. But doesn't mean that it's coming from the right place. Especially when we wake up Monday morning living life as if Sunday didn't happen. Or leave Sunday and go back to a life. So listen, not saying that everyone has, is supposed to be perfect in a certain way. No. But your heart is inclined to Progress. strive for the best. That's right. See, worship is the signature and overflow of my relationship with my Lord. And on purpose, I put mine because he's all mine. He's all mine. Y'all should be saying the same thing too. He's all mine. It's my signature and my overflow of my relationship with him. To say signature, that's that unique distinguishing aspect or that feature. My relationship with my God is mine. That's right. It's mine. I can't tell you how to hear from God. I can't tell you how to, how, what you need to do to incline your, to increase your relationship with God. Because he knows you. He knows the very numbers of hair on your head. He knows the intents of your heart. He knows what you need before you ask. Your relationship with your God should be so unique to who you are. No one has a signature like yours. That's good. He knows how raggedy you are. He knows how gifted you are. He knows how inadequate you are, and he knows how adequate you are. He knows how inferior you may feel, but he knows how superior you can be. It's that overflow to be filled or supplied with great measure. The very consciousness of God being with me, the very consciousness that Jesus is mine all day, every day, does, it's not allocated to just this one hour of prayer. But it is the overflow of, of his compassion towards me whereby I am confident that he's got my back. It doesn't give me license to act a fool, but it sure gives me, it sure gives me an understanding of the mercy when I missed it. Yeah. John chapter 14, verse 21, in the Passion, it says, Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. To love God is to obey him. And I'm not talking about going down this list of rules and regulation. Obey, obedience means that I want to please him. Yeah. Yeah. Worship means that I want to seek his pleasure. Yeah. Worship yeah. means that I want him to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I love my husband. Yeah. And we don't like using the word obey, so we use the word submission. Right. And some of us, got it's a cuss word. I just cussed. I'm sorry. But in my love for him, there are times where I don't agree, but knowing and loving God and obeying him invokes me to now submit to him yeah. when I understand who God is and the divine order that he's placed in the earth. That's right. I love the message way of, translate, of, of interpreting this. He says in the message, 14, verse 21, John, the person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my father, and I'll love him and make myself plain to him. God is not this here 
He doesn't speak to us in this foreign language where we have to have a decoder. It's not always tongues and interpretation. Sometimes it's just you just opening up the book of Proverbs. Going to Proverbs chapter 5 when it says, stay away from the wayward woman. That's all you need for that day. <laughs> and, and worship is when you actually go out and stay away from her. Exactly. You worship that day. Exactly. True love is a desire to serve and please another person. John chapter 14, just a few uh, lines down in the 23rd chapter, the Passion Translation says, Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. When you truly love me, you are empowered to obey my word. It's not hard. It's not. The way of the transgressor is hard. Right. Right. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy, heavy laden. And he said, I'll give you what? Rest. For my yoke is what? Easy. And my burden is what? Light. And my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Wow. Wow. He says that when you desire to love me by obeying me, when you are empowered and you act on that power to obey my word, we will come so to live in you. Yeah. To live in you. When you decide to do what you know to do, we reside in you. Yeah. I.e., you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, I love, love, love. I'm going to read two translations. New King James says, if you are willing, in other words, an inward attitude, an obedient, an outward action, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing, an inward attitude, and obedient, the outward action that corresponds to that inward attitude, you shall eat the good of the land. Isaiah, how many of you all want to be rich? Rich in, re uh, re not, just rich in not just rich in resources, but you want to be rich in relationships. Yeah. You want to be rich in, in, in wisdom. Yeah. You want to be rich in love. You yeah. want to be rich in peace. You want to yeah. be rich in joy. Yeah. How many of you want to be rich? If there's somebody around you that's not raising their hand, just pray for them. Amen. Say, what's wrong with you? I know. You don't love God. <laughs> What's I love wrong God. You? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Isaiah chapter 1, the, uh, verse 19, in the Living Bible translation, it says, If you will only let me help you, if you will only obey me, then I will make you rich. If you will only let me help you, if you will just get out of my way. Obey what I said do, and where you slack, I'll make up the rest. Then I will make you rich in peace, in healing, in joy, in resources, in wisdom, in favor. I want to do this for you, and to prove it, I will come to earth, leave heaven, put on these raggedy clothes called flesh, and I will die for you at your own hand to seal it. That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> Just looking at you reminds me of how rich I am. Yes. You know, D. think about what letter is? What's the next letter? D, D, D. Clock. Just watching her reminds me of how good God is. 
and how much of a blessing it is to have someone not just stand by your side, but do life with you in a passionate way. Such a blessing. I'd rather have that over all the tea in China. But the truth is, I like all the tea in China and her. <laughs> Can somebody say amen to that? Can somebody give the Lord a good praise in here to that? Right? Now, worship is a lifestyle, okay? All right? And so there, there are a couple of ways you can look at this. You know, we're not talking about a fad here because, I mean, you know, lifestyles come and go. Yep. Styles come and go. Fads come and go. We're talking about lifestyle as a way of life. This is who you are all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You are just like God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is your way of life. Romans chapter 12, let's turn there. I'll read out of the Passion Translation. Then we're going to bring Minister Bernard up, and they're just going to kind of come. He's going to take a few minutes to just wrap this up and then lead us into a, a worship song that really fits how we concluded this series, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 from the Passion Translation reads this way. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? Now, when you understand mercy, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. That's right. That's right. Oh, Lord. Let me try this side of the room. Man, I'm so thankful for the mercy of God. Yes, Lord. Man, listen. For all of the wrong stuff that I've done in life, I should have been the one hung up That's on right. that cross. That's right. I should have been right. the one beaten with a cat of nine tails. That's right. But God in his mercy said, no, let Not me him. take all of that for you. Not let you. me take every beating for you. Let me take death for you. Let me take hell for you. Let me take the grave for you. Let me even take the sting of death out of your life. Let me become poor so that you can become rich. Come on, God has been merciful to you and to me and if for nothing else, I am so thankful that I did not get what I deserved. That's right. That's right. And while I was wrong, his mercy held back judgment yes. long enough for me until Love I could said, get to the so. place where I say I believe yes. that Jesus Christ is the Son of God yes. and that God raised him from the grave. And then God in his mercy said, okay, since you made that confession, I blot out every sin. I, I wash you with my blood. Yes. Your sins I'll remember the no more from the as west. far as the east is from yes. the west. So far have I removed your transgressions from you and I see you as though you've never sinned a day in your life. Somebody ought to thank God for the mercy of God in this place. That's right. Come on, That's I right. said somebody ought to thank God for the mercy of God in this place. Come on, I said somebody ought to thank God for the mercy of God. Yes. Man, I said somebody ought to thank God for the mercy of God. I could be dead today. I could be in jail today. I could have kids, but all my life could be jacked up. But God in his mercy. And the ultimate reward of his mercy is eternity with him. The ultimate of his mercy, the reward of his mercy is eternity with him. Because I know people in jail. 
They still have joy. They still have peace. Because they understand that this is so temporary. And compared to what it could have been, what it should have been, what it would have been, the fact that we don't go to hell for what we've done here on this earth, and we get to spend eternity in glory, in the kingdom of God, with his heavenly host, before his throne, I thank God love said not so. So beloved friends, sit down, please. So beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Yes. So in other words, we should have a response to how good God's been to us. And what does that response look like? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. Now he contrasts, contrasts living sacrifices because in the Old Testament they offered up dead sacrifices. And so now what he wants is living sacrifices. He wants you to obey him because you want to. Not because you're afraid to go to hell. But because your love for him is so strong you want to live in a sacrificial way that brings honor to him. So when he says flee fornication, it's a living sacrifice on your part to stay away from it. When he says do not commit adultery, it's a living sacrifice to not cheat on your spouse. Come on, somebody. When you offer up your tithes unto God, it is a living sacrifice that you're yes. acknowledging that everything that you have came from him. And it's a living sacrifice to lay that on the altar and worship God with what he's blessed you with. Every act of obedience on your part you are a living sacrifice. So when I don't go off on you for doing something that I didn't want you to do, I'm you're a living, living sacrifice. sacrifice. Yeah. When you don't when you don't walk out on me because I've asked you 20 times to do something, you've so been you, a living sacrifice. That's all towards me though. No. Well, you you in no. there too though. I, Fix that up. You no. in there too. That's I, too I'm saying I nagged and, and so when you don't respond to my nagging, you've been a living sacrifice. I've been a living sacrifice. I'm messing with her up here because that clock running. I know what she want to do. All right? I'm trying to pull her out of it. Is that both of us when we get near each other? Is that no, what that's something different. That? That's something different. That's not like somebody washing their hands. No, I tell you what. I just think when we get close to each oh. other, that electricity, that electricity just starts flowing in this place. All right, listen very carefully. Got to help her. So I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. Mm -hmm. That's your response to his mercy in your life. Notice what it goes on to say, and live in holiness. Holiness is not the type of clothes that you wear. Mm. Holiness is obedience. Yes. Every act of obedience is an act of holiness. Experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of what? Worship. See, so your surrender is an act of worship. That's right. The moment I got saved and I said, you know what? I want to live right for you, God. I think the enemy doesn't want us to get this message out today. 
but that's okay. Let's just go ahead and praise God for about two, about 10 seconds, 30 seconds. There's something we need to do. Anything we need to do. All right, so now watch this. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. That's right. Just because the world says something is okay does not mean it's okay with That's God. Right. That's right. In the beginning, God still made them male and female. And the only thing that procreates and the only thing that is a legitimate marriage in God's eyes is a marriage between a man and a woman. And if I was in a holiness church, somebody would have said, Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not getting ready to let the world put pressure on me. Hello, somebody. And deny what I know to be the truth to appease a culture that is going in the wrong direction. Right. Oh, I wish I was in a spirit field, tongue talking. All right. right here, listen to this. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So, in other words, the more you study the Word, the more your mind becomes renewed. That's right. And as you know more, then you should do more. That's right. And that's all God expects from you, right? So don't beat yourself up as you're growing and going through your process. Just as you learn more, you do more, which is an indication of your worship. It's an indication of your surrender. And it's an indication of your obedience to God. I know more now, so I do more. Last thing. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now, it is 10.08. I'm going to ask the music department to come up and just lead us into worship. Uh, Take a few minutes or a minute or so to set it up, Minister Bernard, and then we're just going to lead into worship. Now, remember, all of this is from the heart. You cannot do this if it is not in your heart. And so don't ignore that. It's not you keeping yourself from doing that. Understand that. I'll talk more about that in a moment, Minister Bernard. Yes, sir. It's um, <clears throat> interesting as we've gone through this series. We had seven different dimensions, and we had seven different Hebrew words that specified types of praise. But there is no specific Hebrew word that defines worship. It's because it's only defined by the person that does it. You have to define what is he worth in this moment. It's what you surrender that becomes your worship. Worship is not a slow song. Worship is not what we do in church. As our pastors have so wonderfully stated, it is what you do. It isn't something that you just kind of do when it's praise and worship time. It, It isn't something that you can turn off when you have a title. Because there is no title greater than worshiper. There is no title. There 
is no existence, there is no identity greater than the one that knows when and how to surrender. And so all over this place, I'm going to take a moment and just invite you to surrender something in this atmosphere. Yes, sir. We have a large altar down here. Absolutely. So however God is leading you while this song is being sang, you can come and you can leave stuff down here at the altar. You can leave him at the altar, her at the altar, it at the altar, them at the altar as your act of worship. I've done that many times over my life where I came down and I left something at the altar that I know didn't need to be in my life. And so the altar is open. This building is open. This atmosphere is open. I'm not going to command you to stand or to sit or to dance because it's your moment. This is your space.
I can not be silent. I will always worship you every day, every way, Lord, as long as I am breathing. begin to worship your father right now. Make this your moment. Make it your signature. Go ahead and talk to your God right now. Father, I love you today. I honor you. I adore you. Father, my heart's desire is to even obey you at greater levels, Father, which is greater worship for you, Father. And so I honor you. I adore you. I praise you. I magnify you. You're a worthy God. Hallelujah. Is that your heart today? Is that your declaration today that you will love and worship God all the days of your life? Raise your hand if that's your declaration today. Praise God. Praise God. If you could turn the house lights up for a moment. While we're all in this attitude of worship, you all can stay down here at the front. As we can 